Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God the Father and from the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God which we will consider today is our gospel lesson. It's recorded in the ninth chapter of St. Mark's Gospel. They're reading verses 14 through 27 as follows in Jesus' name. When they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them. And some experts in the law were arguing with them. As soon as all the people in the crowd saw Jesus, they were very excited and ran to greet him. He asked them, what are you arguing about with them? One man from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought you my son, who has a spirit that makes him unable to speak. Wherever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive it out, but they could not. Oh, unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, How long will I be with you? How long will I put up with you? Bring him to me. They brought the boy to Jesus. As soon as the spirit saw him, it threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell on the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has this been happening to him? From childhood, he said, it has often thrown him into the fire and into the water to kill him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. If you can, Jesus said to him, all things are possible for the one who believes. The child's father immediately cried out and said with tears, I do believe, help me with my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was quickly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit. You mute and deaf spirit, he said, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. The, the spirit screamed, shook the boy violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many of them said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, raised him up, and he stood up. These are the words, Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ, dear fellow redeemed. Just prior to the incident that's described here in our text today, we saw Jesus at the very height and apex of his earthly ministry. In the company of the disciples, James and Peter and John, Jesus was transfigured on the top of a mountain. And in the Bible, it tells us what that means. His clothes became radiant, dazzling white, whiter than anyone could bleach them. And Matthew's gospel adds this. His face was shining like the sun. By this, the three disciples with Jesus were giving given an assuring glimpse of his divine nature and glory. That sight on the mountain was so comforting and strengthening, so beautiful that those three who witnessed it wanted to extend their stay and prolong the experience. Peter ex 
exclaimed, it's good to be here. And then he offered to build some lodging so that they could stay there and never leave. But every happy day and every pleasant event here on earth must eventually come to an end. And this one ended with a thud. Coming from that mountain height down into the valley, Jesus and the three disciples were confronted by a chaotic and dreadful sight. Mark tells us that a certain man in the crowd approached saying, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a spirit that makes him unable to speak. Wherever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive it out, but they could not. There's a lot for us to look at in this interesting account, but today we'll focus on this man who appealed to Jesus for his son, and we'll see in him a picture of a faithful father. He trusts in Jesus despite this horrifying ordeal he's going through. And he has faith in Jesus, but he asks Jesus to give him a stronger faith. Every good parent in every generation has at times needed to worry about their children. There are a lot of scary things that can happen on the road to adulthood. Diseases that come along in childhood, car accidents, drug or alcohol addiction, troubles with romantic relationships, challenges with academics, mental illness. But this man who comes to Jesus is dealing with something that is probably, we would say, even beyond those terrible things that can happen in other situations. For this man's son was possessed by a demon. What could be worse than to wait and watch for the next attack to come, the next time his little boy goes silent and then is thrown to the ground by unseen hands and his mouth foams and his teeth make an awful grinding sound and he becomes paralyzed, rigid, unable to move. The parents and the loved ones who witness these physical invasions coming out of the world of darkness can only wonder when one of them will bring about the end of the boy. And maybe deep down they're willing to accept that fate if it means that he won't have to live like this any longer. Hearing about accounts of demon possession is always spooky and uh, frightening and alarming, the sort of thing that can sometimes shake a person's faith. For we're left wondering, why does this happen? How could that be the case, that a little child would be made to suffer this way? But in this case, we're not told about the cause of it, only that this child was terribly afflicted and tormented. This particular father also doesn't seem uh, so interested in the cause. He seems rather intent on just one thing, and that is finding help for his son. He must see to the expulsion of this tormenting demon, and he doesn't give up. So at first, when the nine 
disciples who didn't go up to the mountaintop uh, came to them. Uh, the man went and, uh, and, uh, and approached them. He immediately asked the remaining nine disciples still in the valley to give their assistance. After all, he must have thought, these men are known to be close associates of Jesus of Nazareth, the great teacher, the great miracle worker. Surely some of Jesus' divine power must have rubbed off on them. But to no avail. Although the disciples had successfully driven out demons in Jesus' name, on other occasions they failed to do that this time. Among those in the crowd observing their vain attempts were the sworn enemies of Jesus, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who probably laughed out loud at their failure and were happy to note how poorly this failure reflected on their Lord himself. Maybe he would have no greater chance of success than these losers did. But that way of thinking didn't affect the father. When Jesus arrived on the scene, he immediately brought his appeal to him, seeking his help. When he told Jesus that the disciples were unable to drive out the demon, the Lord answered out of his frustration and his concern for the suffering boy. Oh, unbelieving generation, he sighed, how long will I be with you? But then Jesus shows that his real interest was not in scolding his friends. It was in providing relief for the man's son. Hearing that this affliction had begun years earlier, and hearing the father tell him, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus answered, if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. And then Mark tells us that Jesus spoke personally to the demon, ordering it, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. And then we know what happened. The spirit screamed, shook the boy violently, and came out. What an important lesson this is for each of us, and especially for parents who pray for their children as they face any sort of trouble in life. This is a reminder to us that through that we should keep on trusting in God no matter what, and that we should pray to him again and again out of a stubborn and persevering faith which trusts God to always keep the promises that he makes to us. It's clear that this father's faith was perhaps new and weak and not fully informed. Still, he believed in Jesus, despite the terrible hardship roiling the life of his family, harming his son, harming him as well. And through it all, he boldly maintains whatever faith he has, and he directs it right to the Lord, saying, help my son, help me. In this incident, we see a shining example of fatherly love, which reminds us, of course, of the Heavenly Father's love, a love that is so relentless and stubborn that he stays with us 
Here the man shows that he'll do whatever is called for on behalf of his afflicted child. He will seek out help wherever it can be found. And most of all, through it, he holds on to his faith in the Lord, however weak and assaulted that faith may have been. May God give to all parents this faith which goes to the Lord and perseveres even when things look so bleak, so impossible. May he drive all of us to fervent prayer on behalf of our children, on behalf of those we love, and especially that we pray for their spiritual well-being. And so secondly today, we see that this text presents a picture of a faithful father who, while he believes, admits to the weakness of his own faith and is willing to ask the Lord to give him a stronger faith. When Jesus told this man that all things are possible for the one who believes, Mark writes, the child's father immediately cried out and said with tears, I do believe, help me with my unbelief. How could this man have ever found a greater source of the needed help than right there in front of him in Jesus? After all, as true God, Jesus promises to strengthen the faith of his brothers and sisters by the working of the Holy Spirit who works through the word as it is proclaimed. This faithful, loving father now goes to the source of where those gifts are to be found and from which they're all distributed. You may be familiar with the name Willie Sutton. He was mentioned in a political speech the other day. Willie Sutton was a pretty well-known American bank robber. He robbed banks over a career lasting from the 1920s, over 40 years. He would go and rob a bank, or several banks, and eventually he'd get caught and he'd go to prison um, and then serve his time or else he'd escape from prison. And once out, he'd start robbing more banks. One time when a newspaper reporter asked Willie, why are you always robbing banks? His famous answer was, because that's where the money is. And I guess we really can't fault him for that kind of reasoning. If you are intent on stealing money, you should probably go to where they keep the money. In a way, that same thinking, though, shows up in the mind of the Father and in his appeal to Jesus. Help me with my unbelief. He knows his faith is not as strong as it ought to be. And though he surely has faith, he realizes that on his own, he can't believe at all, let alone that he can somehow, by an act of his own will, make his faith stronger. That gift must come from the greatest gift giver of all. That is the source of every blessing that we have. That is Jesus Christ. And that's where he goes, because that's where the Lord's gifts are to be found, in the Lord himself. Back when I was in college one day, a group of us were talking with the mother of one of our friends. And during the conversation, this woman said to us, remember, your faith is the most important thing you'll ever have. 
And then she even said, remember to pray every day for a stronger faith. With all the things that we might be inclined to pray for and should pray for, including our daily food, our clothing, good health, employment, shelter, the ending of pandemics, the ending of the wars. This should be at the very top of the list. This should be what we always pray for, that the Lord would give to you and me a stronger faith. After all, it is by faith that we seize and hold and grasp the greatest of all gifts, for it is by faith that we personally take hold of the salvation which our Lord has won for us by bearing all of our sins, carrying their shame, dying for all of them, dying for all the times we've consented with the devil to do the wrong thing, dying for all the times we have disregarded and doubted God's presence and his love and his power to save us. And so it's true, as St. Paul wrote, it's by grace you have been saved. It's all because of God's undeserved love for us. And then he goes on, through faith, and this not of yourselves, even the faith which holds what God offers us is a gift from God himself. It's the gift of God so that no one can boast. The same Lord who grants us the gift of faith, first through our baptism, is the one who can make it a stronger and persevering faith as we hear the word and receive the body and blood of the Lord in communion. So let us take this example of the father of our text who appealed to Jesus for the help that only he could provide. Let us keep our faith even when it's buffeted by the harsh storms of life. Let us ask of the Lord through his means of grace to always give us a stronger faith so that we may never miss out on the greatest of all gifts, God's forgiveness of all of our sins, his rescue from Satan and hell and eternal life in heaven, all through Jesus Christ. Amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and shall be forevermore. Amen.